Brett Hall, Courtnold, Campbell, Cujo, Jenny, Oates, Brown, Chase, Fuhrer, Zombo, Sezzel, Butcher, Shani, Tilly, Tuttle, Sutter, Twister, Turcotte, Kimball, Turgeon, Baron, Bassin, Pronger, Pearson, Bergevin, Bozon, Amlicanus, Crab, Chuck, Howard, Chuck, Petrovicki, Pellerin, Dimitra, Yate, Corson, Conrad, Gretzky, yes sir, I'm a Blues fan, yes sir, I'm a Blues fan, Heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup near 52, man, give me a let's go blue. your starting lineup for Toasted STL. Tom Franklin, the man called Wags, and Blues Fan Reacts. And hello and welcome to Toasted Blues. I am Tom Franklin, and the man in the cowboy hat is the man called Mason. How's it going, bud? And not too shabby, Beck's killing me, but... And so is Doug Armstrong. Doug Armstrong's lack of moves is also killing me, but... Uh, oh, Nevich. that we're fine. He just got Buknevich. What, like, what do, you, what do you want from the guy? Well, I know that, but I reckon, I reckon that if he was going to move Tarasenko, we would have done it by now, right? Free agency's in three days. Well, I mean, he doesn't have to move him by free agency. I mean, and also there's reports that he was talking with Ryan Suter's camp. We'll talk about that in oh, just, uh, just a little bit. It is a, a pre-free agency episode of Blue Notes. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us here tonight. Uh, very, uh, very first, right off the bat. We are going to talk to NHL draft guru uh, Gabe Foley about the Blues draft picks uh, last week and kind of tell us exactly just who these kids are. Because um, if you're like me, I don't follow the NHL draft, you know, build up um, as much as others do. Gabe likes studies, <laughs> like hours and hours and hours of, of game tape to uh, tell us if these guys are any good or not. So he's got an opinion on the first rounder that's, um, you know, a little bit of salt sprinkle to it. And But he Ooh. loves the third rounder almost better than the first rounder. So we're going to get the answer why here in just a little bit. Of course, Pavel Buknevich is a St. Louis Blue. Uh, this is Woo! our... This is our second <laughs> time here on this network. We had a chance to talk about it. We talked about it Friday night <clears> on the Toasted <throat> Tavern. First time, Mason, we've had you on here, and I can tell you're you're thrilled about having another white Russian on the St. Louis Blues. So we're going to get to Buknevich. Um, talks with Ryan Suter. Um, Ooh, that was maybe, weird. That was kind of weird as well. Uh, are the Flyers moving out some cap space for Tarasenko? Is Tarasenko even going to be traded? We'll talk about those coming up. And then finally, you know, anyone that knows me knows I love hockey jerseys. I have a hockey jersey collection. And yesterday, the Blues wrapped up their summer equipment sale where they get rid of like their skates <laughs> and their gloves and their team issued and game worn jerseys. They had $100 jerseys available from, uh, and, and the, and I, I went a little crazy. I went a little crazy. You went here. nuts. You went nuts. <laughs> I, went in, I went. I went completely insane here. To my just off to my left here, I have eight. Oh God! And it's like Tom is a six. Tom with hockey jerseys is like a six-year-old at a gas station buying road snacks. Like that's just how it is. That is right. That is right. Pavel, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Scoop Did I say Peter? I, I don't know. 
uh, Booch. But anyway, we'll, we'll just call him Booch. There we go. So but anyway, I'm calling like, him Booch until I get until I get like proper confirmation that I can say his first name, last name correctly. So well, you didn't get that in your your own video. I saw I saw there was a couple different alterations. Oh yeah. There, so um, anyway, we'll get to all that here in just a little bit. But first things first. Uh, what's going on, Derek? Welcome to the show. It is time to get into period number one, and that is the NHL draft. And joining us now from St. Louis Game Time, also uh, has just moved in recent months to uh, write and scout for recruiting, recruit scouting in the offseason. It is our old friend from Blue Notes, Gabe Foley. How's it going, bud? I'm good. I feel like I missed the hat memo. Uh, I was trying to <laughs> dig around to see if I had something. <laughs> but, this is a very last second thing. <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's a good change of pace for the podcast. Not many podcasts are hat podcasts. So. It's true. I mean, everyone, I everyone uh, it seems like every hockey podcast anymore, like you got to have like a can of beer with you or, or, you know, some sort of alcohol with you. Uh, we, we just do hats. We're, we're, we do we're, hats. I, yeah, a very modest podcast. I like it. Yeah, I, well, well, now that I'm 21, we could start with the centerized brewery stuff. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, we kind of got a little relationship going on with them, but by the way, the modesty ends because, because I actually got this hat in Hawaii ah. a month ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, I went to Hawaii. So that's where the modesty ends. But that was like my once in a lifetime trip deal. So, uh, Gabe, um, first, first things first, before we get into the Blues picks, I mean, I know you're really as much into the NHL draft process as anyone that I know personally. <laughs> and you actually, and I think part of it is because you actually get to write about these prospects for recruit scouting you jumped there this off season how you're enjoying that being your focus now yeah it's um it's very different so tom as you know and uh some of our viewers i'm sure uh i was writing with last word on sports yep doing a lot of editorial focused content um really large scale big picture stuff and it just kind of got boring um so now we're at recruit scouting, writing about players specific stuff. And it's so much more interesting being able to dive into the intricacies of hockey, really explain why a guy does something well. Um, Cause hockey, you know, it's a beautiful sport yeah. and the littlest tiniest things can change everything for a player, for a team. And so uh, no more big picture stuff for me. I get to sit back and really enjoy hockey. And so I'm loving it over at Recruit Scouting. There are a bunch of uh, fantastic guys, and I'm uh, I'm genuinely honored to uh, to have been been picking up by them. Absolutely, and it's it's great. And I know that's that is your passion is, is is these prospects. And I was very happy to see when you made that jump. Now, of course, I wrote for uh, Last Word on Hockey for for a little while. I had to drop it just because of some personal obligations but a good group of guys and if you're ever looking to get into the hockey writing game or really any sport for that matter uh last word will treat you right they 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 they're they're, they're good people but now on to why people are uh blues fans are here that is these nhl uh prospects the blues drafted last week last friday uh the blues had four picks which is actually tied for the lowest number of picks that they've ever had outside of the you know 1983 year where they just said F it and we're not going to draft at all. Um, but yeah, four picks, a first, a third, a fifth, and a seventh. And uh, let's talk about the first rounder. First things first here, uh, Zach Bolduc, a 17th overall pick, 
Six foot one, 185 pound center. He played for Ramuski in the QMJHL. He's a point per game guy, and he was a, he was the 2020 QMJHL Rookie of the Year. But Gabe, you're not a big fan of him. Why? Yeah, I'm not sold. Um, first off, Zach. Whoa, I'm my mind's freaking out. All right. First <laughs> off, Zach Bolduck, um, big kid, beefy body, loves to use that body to just have defensemen bounce off him. Um, he really he pushes play well, and that's a fun thing to watch. Um, not a lot of guys in today's hockey world have that ability to use their size not for um, not for you know throwing the body directly but letting the defensemen come to them and using their size to really make it impossible for them to steal the puck. So it is an impressive skill set. And with his shot being one of the best in the draft, there's a lot there to like, but he's a, he's a bit weird of a prospect. Um, six one. And I believe, would you say 174? 185 I, is what he's 185 is how he's listening was, right now. The notes on him, the the weigh-ins on him are never consistent. Mm. So I, I have seen 6'2", like 190. I've seen 6'1", 175. Um, there's I saw that earlier as well. I think that was that the elite prospect, though. No, but they never it. get it right. So They really do not. I don't even think they have mine right, and I edited my profile myself. Well, they had, <laughs> but, well, they had the blue seventh-round pick for OBL listed as a defenseman, so... You know, that's, oh. that's <laughs> yeah, he's not. not. No, he's not. So, but, 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 but back, back to Bulldog. What's, what's holding him back from being a desirable prospect in your Yeah. Area? So, Bulldog, um, first off, his skating is fine. Um, and I, I received a little bit of a pushback on Twitter when I questioned his skating. It's not that it's bad. Um, he's six one. he's a beefy guy, and he gets around the ice just fine, but it's just kind of clunky. Um, it's something that really is going to be the focus of his development, making sure that he's getting a full stride uh, out of every extension, making sure that he's being as, as efficient as he can. But then there's also his decision-making. Um, Zach Bolduck is an incredibly smart, incredibly aware player. He's able to, uh, like I said, just let defensemen bounce off him and push into the offensive zone and really create plays well, but he doesn't always do it. It's very, very strange. And so in my notes um, for him, I had that he is an absolute genius. And then for another game, I have that he was a dud who looked like he couldn't handle pressure. And so I reached out to some CHL scouts um, that I'm close with. The Canada hockey is not my favorite. It never has been. I think it's because it's everyone else's favorite. So I hate it out of spite. <laughs> That's um, why we're Blues fans, though, I reckon. I mean, exactly. Um, but, and as I talked to these CHL people, they kept saying, you know, consistency, consistency, consistency. This is a guy who has incredible poise with the puck on his stick. This is a guy who has a shot that can make a goalie look silly. This is a guy with the smarts to set up teammates left and right but he needs to make sure he can do it all the time. And so I reached out to um, some QMJHL scouts and OHL scouts directly, um, those in the private sphere, and I got that same sentiment. They said, you know, if he can put it all together, this is a top line, top six guy. Um, this is a guy who can be a dangerous scorer 
very effective in a system that encourages his slower style of play, which you guys know the Blues are perfectly fine with slow guys. We're such a monotonous team that it doesn't really matter. True. Um, which, for better or for worse. Uh, <laughs> We we are a monotonous team that has Jordan Cairo. So yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect description right there. We're boring, but we have this Cairo kid. Exactly. <laughs> We're boring, but we got Jordan Cairo. So I mean, <laughs> but um, yeah. So Zach Bullock is a guy that has potential, but he just needs to put it all together. And for me, I was a bit nervous about how he would put that together, but I've been hearing for about the last week and a half that Zach Bolduck was going to be a blue. Um, I didn't buy into it until I saw his name on draft day. And then <laughs> unfortunately he did end up a blue. Um, it's not the pick I would have made, but he's a guy with great skills. And if he can string it all together, I think he's going to be, um, I'll, I'll put it out there. I don't want to say it. I'm sad these words are coming out of my mouth. If he puts it all together, I think he'll be our Tarasenko replacement. Oh boy! Oh, ah, went there. I'm All right. Well, hey, yeah, I'm glad that you. Right <laughs> I'm kind of glad that you brought that up, though, uh, because I, I read your stuff on uh, St. Louis Game Time all the time. I think you and Dan Buffa are my two favorite writers on that whole platform. I appreciate that. So, Thank you. Uh, I I love how. And I'm not when I watch hockey, I don't really pay attention to analytics. I I kind of tweeted that out earlier today. I'm very much an eye test guy, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to get that kind of perspective uh, from St. Louis Game Time. So you're doing a great job there. Uh, Thank you. So I've read the article on what your opinion on all four of the picks in this draft, but I'm curious, and I already know the answer on what you're going to say. But can you just go into more detail as to who you think the Blues should have picked here? Yeah. So as you mentioned that article, I said Chaz Lucius. Um, That's he a good is, name, by the way. I, is I an incredible name. Yeah, it sounds like a Slytherin. Te- it sounds like sounds like a Slytherin like teacher, like dark potions teacher. Chaz Lucius. Um, yeah, like a like Snape's best friend or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, Chaz Lucius. Uh, first off, he is he plays for the U.S. National Team Development Program. So I am biased. Um, fair, fair. but. Lucius is, quite frankly, incredible. I've never really watched a player like him. Um, you could dedicate three guys on your team to tackling Lucius as soon as he steps into the offensive zone, and he would still score. He would score from the bottom of the dog pile, find a way to risk the shot up, and put it behind the goalie. It's in- incredible how he manages to get the puck into the tightest of tight areas and put it behind the goalie. Um, he's got amazing hands, a great shot with a quick release that helps him really stay unfazed by pressure. He's another guy who I believe, let me pull him up on my end real quick. He is six foot tall, 175, and that comes from elite prospects. So we will see how accurate that actually six, is. Six foot five, 245 pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's Dano Chara. <laughs> he's Dano Chara. But he's around that same stature as Bulldog. So you're not, the Blues were drafting for size this year. I've been hearing that they want size and physicality all year long. That's what they get out of Bulldog. Lucius isn't a physical guy, but he is a guy that, um, he's just such a great goal scorer. Um, he's a bit less efficient of a skater than Bulldog, 
which is a knock against him uh, yeah. because I'm already raising concerns with Bullock skating. But even then, um, you can't pass up a goal-scoring talent like Lucius. I was really hoping we'd land him. Uh, lo and behold, he ended up going to the Winnipeg Jets, the very next pick. So I don't think we're going to lose out on a star or anything. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're you know passing on Braden Point. But it, it's a, a little change that might have made him a little bit more impactful mm -hmm. uh, for a Blues team that really needs – a guy like that they need a go-to guy that they can put a lot of weight on and say all right we're kind of screwed with the young kids so run with it please mm -hmm. yeah i was kind of hoping that uh you know a guy like uh, michael coronado would have would have fallen down to the blues because he was a guy that kind of you know fit that guy of the potentially exciting winger that i felt this organization's kind of lacking on. I also like Lucius. Derek liked Lucius as well. Uh, he thought that he thought that we, we for sure should have taken Lucius. But then something interesting happened later in the, uh, a couple of rounds later. The Blues traded up in the third round. They traded up ten spots to pick a guy that had they picked him instead of Bolduc in the first round. I have a feeling, Gabe, you would have been okay with, and that is Simon Robertson. Uh, am I am I wrong to think that you actually preferred Robertson as over Bolduc as a prospect? No, not at all. Um, very much prefer Robertson, and I cannot believe we're saying this. I cannot. I reckon believe that's we're the saying... steal of the draft. Honestly, oh. I reckon that's got to be top three, like of the entire draft, yeah. one of the best steals. Um, so for those who don't know, I ranked. Uh, seven rounds worth of rankings this year and in my <laughs> oh, this was so much work i do not recommend it on anybody <laughs> so much video um, to watch but oh uh, it was every night at least you know a few hours how many hard Just, drives do you have honestly for all that <laughs> yeah exactly um but server tower <laughs> uh, no this is all a laptop i'm just yeah. It screams at me when it turns on. Mine sounds like a freight train, so you're fine. Yeah. You um, but I ranked Robertson 19th overall, and I ranked Zach Bolduc uh, 31st overall. So there was a gap Ooh. there. Um, Simone Robertson is uh, Zach Bolduc, but a little bit safer, a little bit more consistent. They really are like so, so similar. And I highlighted that in my article. Um, it Simone Robertson doesn't have the physicality uh, that Zach Bolduc has. Bolduc really knows how to use his size as an advantage, but Robertson is just a bit more consistent with his decision-making, um, whereas I'd classify Bolduc as a uh, power forward. I'd classify Robertson as a sniper. Um, he knows how to get the puck into the zone and fire a quick shot off uh, at the top of the circles. Um, he's a very mature, played in the top league in Sweden this year, one of the best professional leagues in the world. So overall, he's just another big-bodied guy with a great shot. He His skating is strong, very mature, and he played in a men's league all year. So he kind of knows how to process the play a bit better than Bulldog does. Um, ultimately the blues are getting two really similar guys. And in fact, I mentioned, I talked with a ton of CHL people this weekend uh, earlier. The consensus was that Zach Bolduc is the high potential top line. You know, if he hits, he's going to be great guy. Simone Robertson is the exact same player, but without the high ceiling, he's got the high floor. He's going to step in 
to the NHL in a few years. Um, it, it's the safe pick versus the, you know, oh, maybe this one will explode and be incredible. Um, and I, I really admire that in the Blues drafting strategy. Uh, you don't see a lot of teams pick two very similar guys, but one's got the ceiling and one's got the floor. Um, and it, it gives them a lot of flexibility in their prospect pool. They're going to be able to play around with both of them. And the odds of one of them hitting are you know, nearly guaranteed. Um, I saw someone in the comments asked, why did Simone Robertson fall? Well, <laughs> first off, this draft was a mess. So many guys fell that I cannot believe they did. Uh, it stressed me out all weekend long. Dylan Duke is the one for me where I was like, oh. why is nobody picking this guy? Yeah, Dylan Duke, Red Savage, uh, Sasha Pastajov. I just screaming at my TV all weekend. Yeah. Yeah, Raddy was uh, at one point was considered a first overall talent, and then yeah. he fell. I mean, it was. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was second round, I think. That, that was crazy this year. I mean, it was, it was, it really was, I guess, just a mixed bag for everyone this year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And the difference between the public view of stuff and the private sector view of stuff was bigger than it's ever been, almost. Um, but to answer that question as honestly as I can, uh, Simone Robertson had a bad world U18s. Um, Sweden got absolutely clobbered. <laughs> That oh, tournament, no. it was. They were. I think they lost games. If like, Leas Anderson was there, he would have torched his medal. That's how bad we're talking about here. Oh, so yeah, he would have tore it up, like just the uh, the anger of splitting a medal in half. <laughs> but um, Sweden got absolutely stomped. They were down bad every game. The pressure of the other teams and stuff was clearly getting to these kids. And Simone Robertson was at the at the brunt of that um he is a player that like i said he knows how to get into the offensive zone quick he knows how to make a quick decision there but sometimes his decisions kind of leave you scratching your head sometimes you're like oh well you didn't need to shoot the puck there and it's never to the point where it's a liability and he's doing dumb things and you know making the team look terrible but he does kind of leave you scratching your head sometimes and so at the World U18s, under an incredible amount of pressure, under, you know, af after losing game after game and really struggling, Robertson did look a little rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. And it's my knowledge that that one tournament really tanked his draft stock. Um, I still can't believe he fell to the third round, even with, I, with what I know on how the NHL teams viewed him. But, yeah, it, one tournament can change the entire complexion of a, of a season for a kid. Yeah, that is one of the weirdest things about Blues drafting is in the first two rounds, they seem to like make a pick that's like, what are you doing? And then in the later rounds, like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, they just seem to get these steals of picks. And it's like, where? wait, okay, hold on. How did, where did this come from? It's it's one of the strangest things about Blues drafting. It always makes for a really fun day. Uh, but the number one, uh, like, I, I guess kind of saying about uh uh, Simone Robertson is that he's not elite at one thing, but he's just such a well-rounded player. So he's good at so many things. Uh, I guess the one thing that is really his strength is 
the hockey writers, I read an article from the hockey writers around him, and they said he had a top 15 shot of this entire draft class. Oh, that's being conservative. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it was, it was like, it was, it's a quick shot. It's a, it's an accurate shot. Uh, apparently he has, uh, people say he has such a good worth at work ethic. Uh, you know, uh, last year and re- well, really, since I've been a hockey fan, I haven't really paid close attention to prospects before. This is the year where I kind of, you know, I said, okay, maybe I should, you know, learn about at least the top 100 just to, you know, kind of get a feel for what this draft class is like. So I had Bull Douche and Robertson on my radar. So I kind of knew what to expect. That's why I really like this pick. You know, I was, I was, I was just beg- I was begging the blues not to pick Wallstead. I was begging them like <laughs> we didn't need them. So uh, we, we do not need a pro. I mean, don't get me wrong. Wallstead, I think is going to be a franchise goaltender in this oh, yeah. league, but I don't think the blues need it. We have a Colton Nelson. We have a Joel Hofer for our future. So it would just be, I think it would be pretty redundant at that Plus point. Five more years of Bennington. Plus five. Wow. <sighs> Plus all of Bennington until he runs into the ground. <laughs> so I guess um, my next question is, as we're talking about, you know, Bull Duke and Robertson and how these guys are pretty much the same caliber, but just selected like 50 picks away from each other. Uh, I'm curious who you think will crack the Blues lineup first. Oh, Simone Robertson. I don't think it's going to be a question. Really? <laughs> um, well, it's that he's played in a men's league already. If I'm uh-huh. Doug Armstrong, which unfortunately I'm not, <laughs> but if I was, um, I am doing everything in my power to get him into the AHL this year. Uh-huh. I really think he's ready for that. And I think if he can get the experience of a smaller sheet of ice, um, the more the higher end pressure that comes with North American pros, um, I think he could be a good third line winger. Uh, in mm-hmm. two or three years, um, Zach Bolduck has great potential, but excuse me, I don't see him ever coming into the lineup mm-hmm. outside the top six. You know, he's not he's not going to be Clem Costin coming in on the fourth line and slowly working up line by line by line. Um, Zach Bolduck's got a talent that you recognize with the top six spot. Simone Robertson bit more mature in his style, bit more um, capable uh, on the whole ice sheet. Um, and so I think that talent is going to lend itself nicely to a third line role one day. And he's going to kind of work up. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I was trying to think of an example. And the example that came to mind was uh, Zach Sanford's role and how Zach Sanford has pulled his way up from the third line up to the second line, then to the first line. Um, and it's on all the back of it. It's, it's all those inappropriate photos of Doug Armstrong. That's why he's exactly. yeah, it's all the nudes. He has Armstrong's nudes. Yeah. He has Baruby's of him and like, Baruby. Li- yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's literally there's no other explanation for yeah. it. Yeah, to be perfectly about- honest. Okay. So I, I just want to make something clear. Do you like the Bull Duke pick? I don't hate it. I believe I graded yeah. a B. Um, mm-hmm. It's fine. I mean. It's a little bit more of a reach than I would have expected, but and and with the guys that were on the board, you could have gotten someone better. Right. But at the end of the day, Bullduke is a guy that is going to play in the NHL one day. He's right. going to be an effective player. He's going to be in the NHL. He's going to be in our top six. And if he hits, he's going to be a great talent. Um, he's mm-hmm. really going to be a, a great goal scorer in the NHL. So I guess so- it remains to be seen the extent of his ceiling. 
Yeah, I definitely share the same sentiment. Uh, I I don't think I think Blues fans who are saying, "Oh, what a, what an awful pick!" Look at I mean, I agree with you. There are there are plenty of other guys that I would I would have really liked LaSalle on our team. I think he would have been a good fit for us. Um, but I I I think I don't think I think that Robertson cracks the lineup first, but for a different reason because I think Doug Armstrong really wants to take his time developing. Zach Bolduc, because you don't want to you don't want to duff that. Like you're gonna take this big of a risk on a guy. Clearly, this guy's been on your radar. If you know you see like Lucius and LaSalle on the list, and you decide to pick this guy over him, who was pretty much a consensus late first, early second, you know, say kind of the same thing with Jake Neighbors, kind of. Uh, I didn't think you could get much more polarizing exactly. than him, but I mean, here we go. Yeah. Um, but I think Doug Armstrong really wants to take his time to develop him. I mean the the number one good thing about taking a risk like this on a on a kid who's 18 is that while he might not have a totally disciplined game you can mold him into that NHL maturity and i think if they take their time doing that if they take their time like molding him into the prospect that we want him to be i think that i don't think there's any question that he'll be in the top 6 in the lineup at some point so yeah and it's something we've seen the blues do before i mean the mm-hmm. Blues are one of the premier development programs in the NHL when it comes to molding guys into what they need to be. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in Peoria, Illinois, and so I was a constant feature at Peoria Riverman games back mm-hmm. when they were our AHL team. And you really saw how much work the Blues put into making these guys in the NHL talents. Yeah, so I think the Blues were one of the best landing spots for guy like bulldog that kind of needs that extra attention well and then of course those are two of the three forwards that the blues took this draft the other one was uh ivan Vorobiov in the uh, seventh round i'm sure that, 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 that name sounds like made up so i don't even know if he's a real person <laughs> that's an but, nhl 21 like random sim guy and, and, in yeah, like your 2026 exactly. season is gm yeah exactly but yeah three forwards in this draft of their four picks was this a signal that the blues felt like many did and that their forward core was depleted and needed addressing. Yeah, I think it was. And you, you saw the blues pick two big right wings with great shots. I mean, mm-hmm. what you can't telepath the thinking there more clearly. I don't think um, it's clear to me that they understand that, you know, Schwartz wants to te- test free agency. Hoffman's probably going to sign in Montreal Tarasenko wants a trade. We need to get the ball rolling, get some guys here. Um, they trade for Buchnevich, as you guys are talking about, who is fairly young and is very good at hockey. Yeah. Um, Love it. And then, he, oh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited for that pick or uh, that trade. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a draft that really telegraphs, hey, um, you know, we're kind of scared that all these guys are leaving. And so we're making mm-hmm. the moves that we have to, to not only, not only refill our group of forwards, but to refill the stylistic um, abilities of these, of these guys that went out. And so this year they grabbed their big right wing snipers. I think next year you're going to see them get a, uh, a really good two way winger uh, to fill that whole Jane Schwartz leaves. If he does mm-hmm. leave, which, God, let's hope not. <laughs> See, well, I actually think that Doug Armstrong's galaxy braining us here because this draft was such a crab shoot that he's like, let's get future picks in drafts where we actually know the prospects. 
So let's pick less right now where we everything's like hockey doesn't exist. And then let's take it into a draft where, I mean, we can actually see what these prospects are all about. Do you think that might be just a little bit of the incentive to move up 10 spots? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. The Blues, the last few years, have really had uh, little drafts, little draft <laughs> picks. Um, they trade them away a bunch. Armstrong has been very liberal with how he treats his draft picks. And, yeah, you're right. He's been really treating these next few years' picks a mm-hmm. lot more respectively. Or respectably. Um, they have uh, six picks next year, all seven or five picks next year, all seven in 2023. Those are two drafts that are absolutely filled with talent. You're getting whatever you want that year or those years. I mean, the the top three of both of those drafts are going to be franchise-altering guys, but the entire top 100 are guys that have high potential. Um, so, yeah, I you never know what's going on in Doug Armstrong's brain. Um mm-hmm. Even as I hear from people within the Blues saying, oh, well, they're thinking about this, this, or this. Well, then they go off and trade for Buchnevich, and it's something <laughs> Just crazy. out of nowhere. Like, hey, yeah. I'm just going to fleece an Eastern Conference team again. It's like, oh, go gosh. for it. Not go for it. It's exhausting. I, I don't know about you guys. Buchnevich wasn't even on my radar of players that the Blues should <laughs> make a move for. I mean, kind of like maybe at the back of my head, but like – not never in my full radar. And I actually uh, want to address this uh, comment by Derek, who we're more excited for Hoffman last year, Buchnevich this year. I think it's fair to say we're, we're all going to say Buchnevich, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, Buchnevich is a lot more, more of a complete forward than Hoffman ever dreams to be. I mean, he's just, you know, the, basically the best report I heard on him is that he is basically equally good at creating offense as he is at preventing offense uh, to me. That, and to me, that is just a perfect, perfect Craig Berube pick. And to get him for Sammy Blay in a second, who, by the way, Sammy Blay, you talk about those deep gems that the Blues have found over the years. Sixth round pick, Sammy Blay, by the way. Um, and then a second round pick. To me, it's just it's a bargain. I mean, I, I, oh, understand, man. I understand the Rangers had to. They had a wealth of wingers and they had to, you know, something had to give. And uh, uh, Buchnevich was a uh, restricted free agent. So I guess he was the ideal one to go. But they surely could have gotten more for him, you would have thought. But, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in the next segment. Getting back to this year's draft, just, just real quick. Um, they did draft one defenseman in the fifth round, Tyson Galloway. Uh, big kid, six foot four, 214 pounds. Played for the Calgary Hitmen of the WHL. Uh, generated a little bit of offense, four goals, five assists, 17 games this past season. But was the biggest attraction here, Gabe, maybe just his size and maybe, you know, the fact he's more, I, from what I can tell, maybe more of a stay-at-home guy? Yep, that's exactly it. That's exactly what the Blues want. Um, they went into this draft uh, quite literally telling kids, uh, we want size. And so they were or t- not telling the kids themselves, telling their agents and stuff. The Blues aren't evil. But, um, <laughs> Get bigger! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get um, but, yeah, they were they were saying, you know, our instructions are drafting on size. And so you saw that with Bulldog. You saw that with Robertson. You saw that with uh, Tyson Galloway, who is 
the most boring prospect ever, but <laughs> one that no. is fine. Yeah, he's okay. Okay, he's- actually, actually, I have a little insider knowledge on this because I played a high school league with a player who played with him for the for the Calgary Hitman, uh, Hunter Campbell, who's now an Everett Silvertip. I played with him, so I got to uh, talk with him a little bit on Twitter uh, before before the show, actually. And I was like, okay, can you describe his game in three words? And he said, quicker than he looks, which is not three words, but, I mean, he said he's quicker than he looks. So, I mean, he he just has a tendency. He tells me he has a tendency to get to the net at times where you're like, wait, how did he get a break there? He'll get around forwards and you're like, you would think he was a forward. And then you realize, Oh crap, that's Tyson Galloway. What's he doing at the net right now? So, I mean, he says he strives to be a two way defenseman. And I think, you know, a player that wants to be that, I wouldn't say he's a boring prospect, but I think that's something that the blues might find some value in later on. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I will say, my knowledge of Tyson Galloway is shallow. He's one of those guys that just never jumped off the page to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have been absolutely hounding my friends in the WHL to try and find out information. I mean, I can tell you a little bit. I have my whole draft notes right here. I hey, can tell you a little go. bit about him if you want. So hey, yeah, take tell the fans. So what, a couple of the so Galloway. So Tyson Galloway is six foot four, two fourteen. So he's a big guy. He's he's basically Nico Mikola plus thirty five pounds, like because Mikola's an absolute stick. Um, he's quicker than he looks. He's got a real sturdy frame. Uh, he's built like a freaking freight train. Uh, the last seventeen games played last year with Calgary, he had four goals and five assists, which is pretty good for a two way defenseman. Uh, and it's a big improvement from his previous 36 games where he only had two goals and one assist. So he is really, really picking it up in the WHL as he finds his sort of groove in, uh, you know, a more professional junior league. Uh, he was second among defense, uh, for the Hitman with uh, nine points and tied for plus minus with plus six. Uh, a couple of his pros, according to this, is he's very quick and he's very powerful on the puck. So when he has it on his stick, it takes a very skilled player to get it off of him. And he has this tendency to rush into the zone and just make an insane pass. So he's very accurate with these passes. He's one of the most underrated, you know, offensively moving defensemen who models. He he said he, that he models his game after Joel Edmondson. Make of that what you will. Um, but <laughs> a little bit weird. The only thing is, is one of the main cons is he's very aggressive. So when he's on a rush defense, he's very effective, but a player can easily put on the brakes and make a pass and catch him completely off guard. So that's one of his main uh, flaws as a defenseman. Uh, He can't be beaten with skating, but he can be beaten, you know, with puck moving. He doesn't really read the puck very well. He's a very play the body kind of defenseman. Uh, So that's about all I have on him. Uh, But, like like I said, six foot four, two fourteen at eighteen. Like I, I mean, okay, I mean, go for it. But uh, hopefully, he turns into the Colton Pareko of our dreams. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I I don't know. Fifth rounder, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I can definitely see the attraction there. And I and, okay, so so you, you got your full scouting report there on uh, Galloway BFR. Uh, I did my your, homework. Where's your scouting <laughs> report on Ivan Vorobiov? 
Yeah, where's your scouting report on Ivan Verovia? I have a little bit. Uh, I have three sentences uh, written down about him. Uh, 5'11", 157, so he's a real tiny guy. I could pick him up and throw him like a lasso, so that's number one. Wire, so that's fine. Yep, uh, yep, that's number one. He's built like chicken wire. Uh, he has hot flashes, but for the most part, appears to just be like minor league fodder. You know, he he has hot flashes. Uh, One of them that I have in quotes is, if Cairo is Walmart McDavid, then Vorobiev is Goodwill Bargain Bin McDavid. So uh, that's that's what I got on on Ivan Vorobiev. Yeah, and he's got, he had, apparently he had 50 points in 52 games with the MHL's Mamantini Yugri, which sounds like something you say when you're drunk and you're trying to make your create a team on any it's basically yeah. the russian version I of the ahl so it's yeah vodka. I, yeah exactly actually i have some right here actually I'm about to celebrate buknevich but anyway um <laughs> uh, so mhl that first of all that's probably not a, an adult league in russia is it, it that's is the ahl of the khl basically so gotcha gotcha so okay well I think we have said enough about Ivan Vorobyov to uh, a lot more than I thought I'd say about him. Holy shit! But if he takes off, who knows? But yeah, good. Yeah, good. But I'm not counting on it. So <laughs> I want to take a look back real quick at last year's draft class. Um, and for those who haven't been following uh, the juniors very much, and I know it's been kind of hard because you know the. Uh, COVID situation in Canada the past year has been a little, uh, I guess, fucky for the lack of a better word. I feel so uh, bad for the Canadians in the chat right now. So ridiculous. And for those of you just joining us, back when we were Balloonos, the last time we had Gabe Foley on our show was to interview Jake Neighbors. Who oh, was, that was so long ago? It was so it, it feels like it, it feels like forever ago. Turns out it was actually oh. November. I think it was November, but you know, we changed no. that far, but it feels like ages. Um, and he was kind of sitting in, in his home outside of Calgary, just kind of twiddling his thumbs, waiting for you know to figure out what was gonna happen. Like they try to shuffle him off to I think the uh uh Saskatchewan Junior League, but then it turns out he couldn't play for them, so it was a weird situation. So that was the last I had heard of from him last that, you know, probably BFR and, and Wags, uh, who can't be with us tonight, heard from him. I don't have connections. But apparently... I leech off of yours. Since being drafted, Jake Neighbor's stock has apparently just taken off like a Holy blue rocket. Uh, 33 points, 19 games before getting injured. Uh, by all accounts, it looked like he found just another gear to his game. Now, you weren't the biggest fan of the pick last year, Mr. Foley. Uh, has that changed? Yes, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I want an apology from every single Blues fan who commented on my Jake Neighbors video. Oh, he's going to be so bad. You guys blew it. You guys blew it. I demand an apology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, did Jake Neighbors just have a career year. Uh, this is it's a year that surprised even the people that know about the WHL, uh, which is not me. I'm not well versed in the league, um, mm-hmm. but he shocked everyone. He really came out and demanded respect on an Edmonton Oil Kings lineup that was, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, incredible. Loaded. Um, they were stacked. It was a crazy, which of course kind of brings into question, you know, his product productivity and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, you look at Jake neighbors, you look at how he pushes into the corners, how he's able to find 
passes to the slot quickly, how he really grinds and works away at the other team to create dangerous chances. Um, you know who it all reminds me of to a T is Robert Thomas. Ooh. I mean, they're, they're just so similar stylistically. Um, and Thomas is a center and neighbors is a left wing. So we might get to see them on a line together, which is so exciting. Um, yeah. But I just, I can't believe the growth that he had last year. And yeah, I, I said it as frankly as I can. I was wrong about Jake Neighbors. He has proved me wrong very quickly. Well, I love the idea of having a Robert Thomas that can, you know, just run someone over every now and then and grind along the boards like Neighbors can. That that is so exciting to me. Wow. Oh, yeah. And fight. And he can fight. Oh, yeah. He said that in our interview. He's, he he's literally it. 2013 Milan Lucic. Yeah. Which sounds bad because Milan Lucic, but. In 2013, if people don't remember, he was kind of he was a pretty good player. So won a couple of cups. So he was absolutely and, and just and just and 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 if you haven't checked out our interview, it's in. If you're following us on YouTube, uh, just just scroll back to like November, December, you'll find it. We made it very clear it was the Jake Neighbors interview. Great kid. Yes, he, he was great to talk to. You know, some kids you you know in hockey, you know, hockey kind of gets a knock because you know a lot of the players aren't the most flashiest or the most flamboyant or whatever. And neighbors isn't, but he was very well spoken, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's one of those guys that when you talk to, you can just hear the character coming out of him, the the the, the good quality character coming out of him. And I was I was very I was more impressed with him after that interview than I was before. He sold me and. Uh, I guess who who knew that was a precursor to uh, to 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 a breakout okay. year. Yeah. Well, the same with Colton Ellis too. We kind of had the same thing with him. So yeah, exactly. we interviewed him, and suddenly I think I think that's a side of something. We should interview more. <laughs> Let's interview Zach Bolduc right now, and he's going to be an All Star in twenty twenty six. I think that's there the rate that we're going on right now. Yeah, so. let's get Ivan Vorobiov's uh, agent on the phone. We're going <laughs> to make him a breakout superstar that we always thought he could be. Yeah. Oh yes, we always thought he could. He we we always believed in you, Ivan. Always, always, always. Oh, we didn't laugh at you at all. No, uh, never. No. Uh, but but the, speaking of the of last year's year's draft, uh, Jim Thomas of the Post Dispatch uh, noted today, uh, "quote Big day for Blues prospects at the World Junior Summer Showcase in Plymouth, Michigan." Uh, Tanner Dickinson, who was a fourth round pick in 2020, scored two goals. Uh, Dylan Peterson, who was a third round pick. Had an assist for USA. The Blue Squad won four to two over Sweden. Uh, Leo Luff had an assist for Sweden, and then Praise I guess the Luff, the Luff, the Luff on fire. Um, and then also, I guess uh, I guess Robertson also played, but he didn't register on the scoring line. Um, Dickinson, Peterson, second line guys. By the way, I know you were hyping. I think it was Peterson of those two last year that you thought could be the real breakout guy. Um, do you have any more reason to be excited about the 2020 class based on uh, a year after they were drafted? Um, quite neighbors honestly, aside. what was that? As a neighbor, neighbors aside. Oh yeah, neighbors aside, he is terrific. He's going to be an NHLer hopefully next year. Hopefully, I bet he cracks the lineup next year. I bet that's what I'm praying for. Um, yeah. I have a lot more reason for uh, hesitation with this class actually. Um. Dylan Peterson had just played his freshman year at Boston University. And he only scored six points in 16 games. Um, mm. The concerns that I had with his play kind of still 
hung around. And after a year, a year after their draft, seeing that is kind of, you know, all right, let's start working on these kid. Um, <laughs> hey, buddy. Let's see, yeah, uh, exactly. Maybe not suck, huh? But uh, Tanner Dickinson, I can't speak to it all because he didn't play a season. I believe he played like th- he was he's a U or a OHL player played for the Sioux Greyhounds, uh, and so I think he played three AHL games. Um, went pointless through them, but obviously he's a teenager in the AHL. Don't set the bar too high. Um, the I remain you know undecided on Tanner Dickinson. He's a skilled forward. Really, uh, really has the ability to make the other team look silly with mm-hmm. skating, stick handling, just general awareness. But um, man, I, I don't know what to make of him, especially not seeing him all year. So he will be a very polarizing prospect to watch for Blues fans uh, as he returns to the OHL this next season, um, because it's really going to be a make or break year for him. Uh, it's a he after missing his entire year after his draft, it's really important that he bounces back now, and, and we'll see if he can do it. Um, other than him, we got what Leo Loof, Matt Kessel, Will Cranley, and Noah Beck. Guys, I gotta be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Matt Kessel just had a great year with UMass. Mm-hmm. He had twenty three yeah. points in twenty nine games. He's. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna bl- crack the Blues lineup at some point. Honestly, I, I'm. I've watched a couple of his games, and you know, this, his hockey sense is better than anybody else on the ice. You know, he, he just, just knows where like it is. It's just pro. a matter of getting there, right? Yeah, I, he's so mature, and I. I feel so weird watching him. It, it doesn't feel like he should be in the NCAA. His size, his name, Matt Kessel is a professional hockey player's name. Come on, oh, yeah. Um, it, <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's a very solid player. Um, that kind of reminds me of Mitch Ranke and uh, how he's grown through the NCAA and really found a maturity to his game that's kind of rare, even in college. Um, so I agree. I think he really is going to climb the ranks. Uh, Noah Beck, Leo Loof, um, who's the other one? <laughs> Will Cranley. Will Cranley didn't play this year, another OHL guy. But yeah. Noah Beck and Leo Lou for guys that I've kind of written off. Um, one of them is named Loof, and I feel like that's a bad omen. <laughs> oh, I, I've already <laughs> attached myself to Leo Loof just because of his name. So I, 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 I hope kinda, he hits. I need I need him to do I need him to score like a <laughs> Carl Gunnarsson like overtime goal, and then yeah, he will be officially go. in BFR's Hall of Fame in my book. So <laughs> the well, Loof. Apparently today the Luf was on fire for Sweden on the ice, so you know you never know. Yeah, apparently he played yeah. really well today. So I hope so, man. The more blues, the more solid guys we can get, the blues the better. Um, but he's yeah, such a he's cruncher. He can crunch you with yeah. the hit. Holy crap! I love it. And he's quicker than I mean. We were talking about Tyson Galloway being quicker than he looks. Leo Luf is way quicker than I expected him to be mm-hmm. he really jumps into play so quickly so um he's not a guy that i'm thrilled by but you never know with kids like that you really mm-hmm. never know um especially with how messy this last season was yeah. uh it's hard to make any grand decisions but we know jake neighbors is the real deal we know dylan peterson has to start working on some stuff if he wants to really climb up and we know uh, matt kessel 
drafted as an overager, a pick that really made me scratch my head. We know that he's starting to look real promising and starting to really find his groove as a mature uh, two-way defenseman that will make an impact in pro hockey. So, and, and apparently he's not related to Phil, so hot dog supplies in St. Louis will remain steady. <laughs> they will remain steady. Shame. Yeah. All righty. Uh, well, anything else you got for uh, Mr. Foley, BFR? Don't think so. I just, uh, I just like to know where uh, we can find you. Obviously, we can find you at a St. Louis Game Time. What other, uh, what other platforms can we find you on? Yeah, so St. Louis Game Time, the notorious website for Blues fans. Um, <laughs> blues fans can also find me at RecruitScouting.com uh, for all my scouting work. I, I publish like 2,500 word player breakdowns there. Can't even imagine. <laughs> Um, yeah, finding enough stuff to talk that much about one kid is definitely something. Um, but then I'm on Twitter at NHL Foley, like it says on the screen right now. Uh, that is the one-stop shop for everything I do. I'm very active on there, probably a bit too much, but <laughs> doing all the work I can to keep everyone up to date on the latest prospect news and the latest American prospect news. We love America here. Canada's can go screw itself. I don't. I don't okay. Need to okay. Them. <laughs> all righty. All righty. We're we're starting a national incident here on Tosa. <laughs> yeah, international <laughs> conflict. <laughs> this is where all it begins, folks. This is where well, it begins. Well, 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 Tosa St. Louis podcast. <laughs> Gabe, you're a treasure trove of information as always, and uh, uh, anyone that's watching or listening right now, please check out his stuff because this guy um literally destroys hard drives and laptops for, <laughs> for your information so watching all these prospect videos just crazy so well thank right. you so much for having me tom it's good to see you guys it's been too long it has I'll been be a down, while. i'll be down in st louis i i owe you a beer or something all right uh, <laughs> and Blues fans react. I haven't met you yet, so it's good. To haven't met you either. Good to meet you. My name is Mason. Uh, Mason, uh, there let's we go. Shake a hand real quick. There we go. There we go. Good <laughs> to meet you. And uh, yeah, this is literally this is literally before this. We haven't even talked. We have not talked. We haven't no. exchanged a single word. <laughs> so, but I know about him, and he doesn't know about me. So. I know about you. I, I, I bet that's a little. I bet that's a little strange. You know, I know everything about you, and then <laughs> you're just like, oh, okay, that's a little. No, weird. Blues fans react is popular here on Twitter on Blues Twitter. So, oh no, yeah, don't use that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Remember this, that pain, uh, BFR made uh, Penguins uh, starting lineup. You know, Penguin Note sixty seven. So you know, yeah, I did. That's true. But yeah. I, I was. I wasn't on Mr. Blue's Hat's uh, protected list, which I'm a little offended about. But <laughs> you were on, you were on uh, Thomas Welch's protected exactly. list. Exactly. I was on his protected list. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm a very polarizing figure, which, I mean, <laughs> is great wild. for views, but not really for comment sections. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks again, guys. Uh was great coming on. I can't wait to be on again with Wags here so I can yell at Wags some more. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> actually, he's actually playing hockey tonight himself, so uh, he's one bad back injury away from being a full-time podcast <laughs> like uh, Mia Lawrence. So, like Blues Fan React, yeah, <laughs> because you have a bad back back injury. Oh my so gosh! I, I think Tom watched in horror as I downed three ibuprofen before I sat down. So. Oh my! Uh, three, three. There was probably like six there. Come on. Don't <laughs> Josh, my mom watches this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. It was just five. Mason's mom. Just half oh, a bottle. No. 
<laughs> Here we go. All awesome. right, Gabe. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you later. All right. Gabe Foley, the uh, NHL draft guru. Lots of good info. I feel uh, uh, I feel a lot better about the draft talking to him, and uh, um, and I feel a lot better about Simon Robertson. Maybe I should make one of these jerseys that I plucked from the equipment sale, uh, Simon Robertson. Who knows? I feel I, I feel so enlightened right now. I mean, I was going to do my entry draft in a nutshell video last night, but I was like, the way my laptop is positioned, my bed is right behind it. So I'm just watching it. And I'm like, oh, I want to climb in you so bad. So <laughs> uh, like halfway through, I was like, yeah, I, I kept, I fricked up the same like five word sentence like 10 times. And I'm like, yeah, I said, no, we're going to bed now. So now I have more to talk about here. So I'll probably just end up stealing the Galloway and uh, Robiov segment uh, from Honestly, here and just like lazily putting that on and just talking about the first way. two. So yeah, this is, this is good. This is a blessing in disguise for me. I don't have to do as much work. Yeah, no, steal away. So if you join while we were talking, making fun of Robiov and uh, wondering about Tyson Galloway's NHL <laughs> prospects, uh, and you missed our talk on uh, Bolduc and uh, Robertson, it'll probably be on BFR's video. That's basically what we are we are there trying we to say here. Shameless so, plug. Yes. So uh, on to period number two, and uh, we are a couple days away from free agency. What in the hell is going to happen these next couple of days? Let's talk about it. Period number dos. <laughs> But before we get to uh, talk about the uh, latest wheelings and dealings from the St. Louis Blues, I meant to do this Friday night on Toast Tavern because it is a tavern and you do these things when you're in a tavern. Um, a salute to uh, our newest uh, white Russian, um, Pavel Buknevich. And I feel it's only appropriate that I just shotgun this vodka right here. I'll uh, finish off my Astrovia. vanilla Coke. good stuff good. just imagine there was alcohol in yours imagine there's alcohol in mine yes just imagine well i mean you can you can legally drink it now so i can i can you can probably but i i am in i am in utah so liquor stores are practically non-existent so i picked the oh. wrong state and then you, and then you get the stink eye when you're carrying in you know alcohol into your own home oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah that's oh, yeah. That. fun state fun state mm. um mm. all right Fun stuff. Buknevich. He's a St. Louis blue. We should be happy. Damn it. Um, <laughs> Friday afternoon. This, this all goes down. And as Tim, Tim Goodman pointed out, he's been kind of floating around in our uh, YouTube comments here. Um, I always have a tendency of taking an afternoon nap at the worst possible time for these <laughs> things to happen. <laughs> Because I, 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 I took a nap at about 1230 because I, I work an insanely stupid schedule at KMOX. I love my job. Don't get me wrong. But to have an alarm clock go off at two o'clock in the morning, I'm sorry. It's stupid. But that's that that's the way my life is. So I have to take an afternoon nap. Otherwise, I go crazy. So I take a nap at 1230. And I it, this is a long nap. This is like I get up about 430, rub the sleep out of my eyes. And then I open up my phone and we've all done this. We roll out our, we roll out of bed. We put our feet on the ground. We grab our phones and we look at the notifications and yes. all my, and all my notifications were Buknevich, 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 Buknevich. And I'm like, what happened to Pavel Buknevich? Did he like murder his wife or something? What's, what's <laughs> going on here? And then, so I open up the phone and I see the blues training for Buknevich and 
I, and that was my reaction. Tom's, Tom's message in the Facebook Messenger chat between everyone at Toasted was quite literally, what the fuck? I just woke up. <laughs> literally. Literally, yeah. And and by the way, Tim's asking me to go to sleep right now because he wants the Vladimir Tarasenko trade. <laughs> so uh, in due time, Tim, in due time, I am up kind of late for my standards. So, uh, yeah, so so I, I clear out the cobwebs. I see that the Blues traded for Buknevich, and I'm like, okay, what would we have given up for a guy like Pavel Buknevich? Like, are we talking about, like, the 17th overall are we talking about like you know a you know decent prospect? I mean, what what do we give up? And I see Sammy Blay in a second, and I'm I'm trying to scroll down because like okay, what else? Like, what there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more, right? There's more, right? No, <laughs> there was no more. It was Sammy Blay in a second round pick, and I'm like, wow, wow, because, <laughs> because Buknevich, yes, he's a restricted free agent. Yes, he'll probably get over five mil per as he deserves. But this is a guy who was almost a point-per-game guy last year with the Rangers, probably the Rangers' best player in the first half of the season. And I just – I am I I think this this is a guy, Mason, I think could become a Blues fan favorite right off the bat. We got a top-line winger, which we are absolutely desperate for, for a second-round pick. That wasn't even this year. It was ne- It's next year's second-round pick, so we don't even – care about it right now and sammy blay who if it weren't for the absolute decimation of the blues roster probably would have been scratched the last 10 games of the season like yeah. honestly so yeah i saw i i saw elliot freeman or i think it was pierre Le- lebron one of the two i saw the notif- i have both their notifications on and i i just see pavel bushnevich to st louis and i'm like oh no what did we do <laughs> i was i was automatically like oh no we traded someone really we traded thomas for this guy didn't we oh no and then it's like okay mm-hmm. second round pick going to new york it's like oh second and thomas oh crap we just got bleached there's like sammy blay also part of the package going and i'm like oh gosh so i'm just i'm like dreading the next notification to come by and then i get the blues notification and it's just those two and it's just playing yeah. a second and i'm like please he did it again he got it again yeah i my the first time i popped up my twitter i my my first notification i popped on i think it was habs nightly one of our old uh, hockey podcast network accounts basically tweeted like well i guess uh uh Tom Franklin and Tosa St. Louis are happy right now with this. And I, I, I scrolled right by the uh, gif of uh, someone crying and the uh, uh, Broadway boys uh, Twitter account. (laughs) Rangers. I I just ignored that. And I said, Holy crap. Armstrong just shipped Chris Drury and left him like blood. Um, So that was, that was no no tact whatsoever. Uh, No, absolutely none whatsoever. But when you pull off a heist like that, you can't you, you can't help but just you know shoot for the moon. The more I think about it, the more that I'm starting to think that this is a better deal than the Braden Shen trade. Well, yeah, I, we didn't. I mean, we I didn't think, give up two firsts and a crack and, and, and a coke. We didn't give up two firsts for that. No, you do when you're getting rid of a coke dealer, right? Of course, of course, of course. But yeah. like, I, I'm starting to think, wow, this this is like it's like a tradition now where he is he is like his trades are like head scratching at best 
for yeah. 90% of them. And then there's that 10% that's almost exclusively against an Eastern Conference team, Buffalo, yeah. Philadelphia, and now New York. So actually, technically, it's all metropolitan teams. I could be I can I can specify it even further. Who's next? Who's who's next on Washington? Like what are we are we gonna fleece Washington next? Like what are we gonna do? I want I want I want Doug Armstrong to fleece every single Metro team at least once, just one time. He's on pace. He can, he's, he's on pace. He's already he's three down. That's uh that's about forty percent of them. So let's 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 keep it going. Yeah, I mean I did, I mean this might be this might be and time will tell on this. This might be at least as good as the O'Reilly trade. You know, with, with Buffalo, oh, yeah. because I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we got rid of baggage in that deal, sure, in 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 uh, Berglund and Sabotka, which was which was great, and but that first round pick could become somewhat something decent. Um, this with this deal here, I mean, Blay is what he is. Blay mm-hmm. is a four checking, heat seeking missile, and that's kind of it. I mean, he he's I mean, and, and he has, and as you pointed out in your your video, when he shoots, he scores, but that yes. that can't hold up. I mean that's right. just, that that's that is small sample size right there. Uh, yes, he's got a good shot that he cranks out every now and then, but he's going to be like a ten goal a guy a year max. You know the value in him, as Jay, Jay Fresh pointed out, is that he's a good defensive player. Uh, but yet, I don't recall him ever being like on the penalty kill for for the Blues. I mean, I don't think nope, I don't think so. Be on the PK, so it's like you're, you're basically getting a bottom six body. You know, mm-hmm. and a second round pick, which if Buknevich, you know, does good things for the Blues and the Blues do good things in the playoffs, probably won't be more like a third round pick, you know, with, by, by the time they go. So that's this could be a trade that, you know, you you kind of understand it coming from the Rangers perspective, but this is one they could rue. I, I think yeah. I think I think I think for a good long while, this is going to be a, a tough itch to scratch over the years because as jr pointed uh he got a text about buknevich from someone very familiar with him the scouting on him is terrific guy emotional player good offense and defense plays with energy i can't think of a better prototypical craig Berube player than buknevich can you oh yeah definitely definitely he is he's one of the best he was one of brewery's favorite player bar none in this entire league honestly i mean if we when we talk about sammy blay I mean, I, I told Rangers fans in that video, I'm like, you know, you might have gotten fleeced, but like Sammy Blay will, will be a valuable guy. I think he's going to be a fan favorite in, in New York because he brings a style that New York really hasn't seen. Uh, yeah. So so I think I think he'd be a good fit for there. I, I think I don't think there's any issues of him staying in the lineup uh, for for New York just because their bottom six isn't as deep as maybe the fans and the management wants it to be. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be any issue keeping him in the lineup. Uh, I While Blay wasn't on the penalty kill, I did notice he was out there a lot when the other team had an empty net. I did right. notice that. So in the dying seconds of the third, uh, protecting a lead. I, I did see him out there kind of establishing. He was the guy who, he was almost like the rover of the team. I don't know if people remember, but when hockey was very early, there used to be a seventh guy on the on the team that was called the rover, and he'd stay on all game, and he would just run around hitting people, and that's it. So I yeah. think Sammy Blake definitely fits that role really well. He's very defensive-minded. I think New York fans are going to like him. They're yeah. probably going to give him a hard time just because, well, he, he was traded for, uh, yeah. But I mean, exactly. I, I, and like, I, I do think that eventually he will, he will grow on uh, Rangers fans. And I, I also said, like, he, 
the worst case scenario, he's a great trade asset. I mean, we just got Pavel Buchnevich for him. So, I mean, make it out what you will. So Exactly, exactly. And, you know, you know, and as I told the Broadway boys, I mean, they're getting a guy in Sammy Blay that he never takes games off. He, he He's mm-hmm. all heart. I mean, he, he, he does have a limited skill set, but he does his job, which is to be a four-checking guy and a defensive-minded guy, and he does it fine. I mean, he's probably mm-hmm. going to be a compliment to Barkley Goudreau. You know, for for the oh, yeah. Rangers, you know, who's a similar type of a type of a forward. So, and that's and that's and that's probably something the Rangers really needed. I think the Rangers needed some toughness in their lineup. Um, I mean, Bugnevich is, you know, you know, can provide a little bit of that, but I don't think he's as heady of a player as Blay is. So, you know, that yeah, he of, doesn't have quite the physical presence as Blay does. He does, but it's it's not quite there. I mean, Blay just has this thing. He delivers a crushing hit every single game. Bushnevich doesn't really strike me as that kind of player. And if he's playing on the top line with the rumor is O'Reilly and Perron, then I don't think there will be a need for that. So that is that is a hell of a top line, by the way. Oh my yeah, gosh, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's so disgusting. I was gonna ask you where you ultimately see him partnering with, and you know what? I I don't want him anywhere else. I want that. I don't want him anywhere else either. It's definitely gotta be, it's gotta be O'Reilly Perron. And then and then you then you can put Landeskog with uh Shannon Cairo, I guess. If the Landis Cock team pans out. If, if it, it pans out. And if Tarasenko is traded, which uh by the way, I guess ter- there's some talk that Oh Tarasenko he's he I think he's gone. Like I the, think, I think, think I, there's no I think Brube will literally if he has to get a sixth round pick to get him out of here, then he will. I no, like, I don't think I don't think he's that desperate. I think he will I think he is. He'll I get, think the he'll get something for Tarasenko. He he'll mm-hmm. get something for him. It's just that Oh, I think so too. But if that if push comes to shove if that's what it takes, then I think Doug Armstrong could be like, okay, that's what it takes. So what's going on, Project Caster? Thanks for joining us. Howdy. Um, but yeah, I think I think Doug Armstrong might be going through something that I think any one of us would have, and that is you're trading away Tarasenko. You have that responsibility of shipping Tarasenko out of town. You're gonna want to be really satisfied with what you get for a guy like Tarasenko, who has meant so much for the franchise in the past mm-hmm. decade. I can understand why, you know, maybe I mean, I'm not saying he is, but I can understand Armstrong maybe being a little gun shy to, you know, yeah, to, to, to fire that Tarasenko trade um, if he's gonna have to cover salary or if the return's not gonna be what he wants to be which by the way i think the and i kind of talked about this with the uh, toasted tavern guys friday i think the market for tarasenko will open up as you have guys like hyman going to edmonton uh, yeah lannis is going to sign with someone um you you, you have a Voracek and atkinson swapping places essentially so those are two teams that no longer need that type of a winger although maybe philly might still come knocking who knows um but yeah <laughs> i think i think as 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 more players go off the market there's going to be teams that would have wanted those players that are like, damn, I didn't get them. Who else is available? Who else is? Oh, Tarasenko's available. Maybe we can go get him. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's maybe where that's maybe where the market comes on. So for I can't sure. blame, I can't blame Armstrong for being patient because yeah, maybe some team who misses out on another winger will come calling and say, hey, let's go ahead and uh, talk about that yeah. first rounder for Tarasenko. Yeah, but I think both of us can agree that he's played his last game as a blue. Like the, I don't think there's any way in hell that he's playing another game. Honestly, the relationship from what I've heard on insider from insiders and from you know people in the locker room, I've heard that the relationship is just kind of beyond repair and that sounds bad like there's like a total fight going 
going on. That, that's not that way. Nah. It's just that you know, it's just that you know that both guys want to move on from each other, which you yeah. know it's a business, so you you that respect that. That makes sense. Um, Andy Strickland reported today that there was mutual interest between the Blues and Oh, I am so glad that didn't work. <laughs> Audio listeners, that is literally Mason dropping a deuce as we speak. Um, oh, my gosh. Now, I personally suggested Suter maybe as that veteran presence to replace Jay Bomies, even though they're not the nah. same type of player. Uh, but apparently, according to Strickland, talks between the Blues and Suter's camp broke down because the Blues would not meet Suter's term. Good. And, <laughs> and, and, and Strickland suggested that Suter could, could get a four-year contract when free agency opens up on Wednesday, which is stupid because the, the guy is 36 years old, for God's sakes. Um, I would have been okay with Suter for, for a one or two max. If you're one year. Be, I would only be okay with a one. Two but, years but, is really pushing it. But here's the thing with Suter, though. Apparently, there's a lot of interest in him. There is there. I mean, he's... That doesn't you know, surprise he, me. Teams that are wanting to think, oh, well, we can get just sign Ryan Suter for a cheap one-year deal. It's not going to be a cheap one-year deal at this point, no. I think. It's going to be a moderately pricey multi-year deal from the sounds of it because you're competing with so many other teams for him. Some team's going to make the mistake and give him four years. I bet somebody's going to do a four by three to three and a half. I bet I somebody can, gives them that. I and see. honestly, that is two million too much. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, well, yeah. I mean, at least after the first year. He's worth one and a half max. If he, the Blues sign him for one year, pay. one and a half, fine. I like, fine. If if that's what happens, that's what happens. I prefer no because he's 36 and we really don't need him because I believe he's a left-handed defenseman. And we left-handed. already, yes, we already have. So there's already a log jam on defense right now. So why take a risk on a 36-year-old when you have Scotty Pronovich coming up the ranks? Well, Suter did play well last year. I mean, and, and and he he his play hasn't like you know nosedived like Zach mm-hmm. did in Minnesota. So he's still right. a competent defender. It's just yeah, someone's gonna overtake yeah, but he's 36. Like why yeah. take that chance? Well. Watch him end up in Chicago because Chicago loves overpaying defense. Watch Jake for Tannen go to Chicago and just oh, keep God. that going. Oh, great. Great. That's, that's, that's just what they need. <sighs> anyway, uh, Flyers, uh, as I mentioned, they swapped board check with uh, Cam Atkinson, uh, saving money. They did grab Rasmus Ristolainen Friday, and he'll basically crawl. And I don't understand what Philly's doing here with their defense, Mason. Because well, I don't understand what Buffalo's doing. They got the same amount for Ristolainen and Reinhardt. They got practically the same return. And, and it's like, Re- really? And Reinhardt's the way better player. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, that's got to be close. Yeah, there there is an epidemic going on this offseason. And apparently it all happened on Friday where teams just had to overpay for underperforming defensemen. You had uh seth jones in chicago you have ristolainen in philly and then you have oliver ekman larson with vancouver which is its own dumpster fire that uh they're gonna have to deal with for the next what seven years (laughs) seven freaking years unbelievable i mean i i i everybody blues podcast all right we hate chicago we hate chicago's team especially after all this crap that's coming out of it but we hated him in general anyway I have never felt more sorry for them than after the says Joe. I almost felt sympathy. Almost, almost did. Mostly laughter because it's funny as hell. But I almost felt I, I felt more sympathy for the Chicago Blackhawks after the Seth Jones signing than I ever have in 
my years of watching blues hockey and hating the Hawks. So, see, I can't have sympathy for the Hawks though. So I was just laughing. It was the close. I didn't have sympathy, but it's the closest I ever got to having sympathy because I can't have sympathy for the Hawks. No, mm. especially not with the with the news that has come out. You Holy know, crap! Their organization. No, there there is no sympathy for the Hawks any longer. Not no. That's that's over. That's done with. We're not. And you know that's going to be a conversation for another podcast. We're mm-hmm. not going to touch that. And we're 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 not going to touch Logan Malu going to. Oh Montreal. no, I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. No, we're not. We're 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 in a good mood tonight. So yeah. Um. So basically, and, and one other small note that kind of made me happy today. Walker Aussie Ranger is back. Ooh, that was under the radar. He signed a two-way deal, uh, 750k, I believe, for uh, NHL, then 300k mm-hmm. for the AHL. He did. He kind of had his season aborted last year because he got injured, and then he had COVID, I think, for a while. Uh, only got in like a very handful of games. I'm still waiting to see more from Walker. Mm-hmm. And I think definitely and I think- that is it's funny. I only heard about it from Cap Friendly's account. I didn't hear it from any blues insiders. I didn't hear it from like the yeah, blues they, itself. They, I they, heard it from freaking Cap Friendly. They broke it. They broke it. So <laughs> one final thing on this free on, on free agency. And of course, I, I'm asking this as a fan of a team who dropped Buknevich out of us, you know, on our laps out of nowhere. <laughs> what happens Wednesday? What's what's they, gonna happen? Well, the blues are already in on Landiscog. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all. It, the talks might have staled, but or stagnated, I should say, rather than staled. The talks might have stagnated, but I believe that the Blues are still going to make an all-in push for him. And very few teams in this league that are in the position like the Blues, where they're competitive, they're still competitive in the play, especially after the Bajimich trade proved that we're still competitive. Yeah, you know, uh, the, Tom Stillman and Doug Armstrong aren't ready to throw in the towel quite yet. Which I mean, good for them. Right. Uh, I I think that Landis Cog is put in a very unique position where there's only I can think of. I can think of two other teams that are in the same the Blues same sort of caliber that have the money and term available to be practical in signing a guy like Gabe Landis Cog, and I think Landis Cog looks at that and sees the teams like uh philadelphia and boston and st louis that can still be competitive in the future and uh be able to sign him to these kinds of deals so i mean i i would love to see landis cog in a blue jersey obviously everyone would there's no guarantees here all right blues fans seem to still think oh landis cog is definitely going to the blues it's not the case all right there are plenty of teams there are plenty of options for him but i think the blues chances are better than i'd say the I'd say 29 of the other teams. So now Tim, Tim brings up an interesting, interesting point here though. Can, can they even talk yet? Yeah, they can talk. Oh yeah. 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 That's how, that's how the news kind of broke is because Landis Cog's agent was uh, talking with management of all these teams. So that's really how it broke. So maybe it's not Landis Cog directly talking, but it's his, his agents are very active, you know, like all players. I thought that that we were under a legal tampering period, I guess, you know, I guess once the roster freeze unfroze, I think that's when that started. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so they, they're, they're talking and and as Tim points out, hopefully Ryan O'Reilly, is talking to Landis. Yeah, I think that's one of the main selling points from the Blues is not only they're competitive, but he's got chemistry with O'Reilly. I think that is a big thing, you know, for I think that's a big incentive for Landis Cog to 
maybe you know stay within the division you know chicago has or excuse me colorado hasn't treated you very well especially yeah. you know you after all that you've done for the organization boy this is sounding a lot like alex petrangelo right now but i mean you know the the, the way that the way that colorado really kind of kind of left you out in the dust you know would kind of refuse to talk to you kind of the same thing with tory krug too uh i mean the blues is kind of a safe haven for players like these and uh I think that can uh, that can really turn us into basically the Toronto of the West, honestly. Yeah, that, that could that could very well be. Um, and I'm I'm holding out out for Landeskog. I think. Oh yeah. I, I truly believe the reports that the Blues are going to go all in on him, and to the point where I don't know what else they do on Wednesday besides, unless they find themselves a defenseman that you know a defensive minded guy, uh, maybe a backup goaltender, maybe maybe they they bring in an actual legit veteran to challenge Ville Husso and and not just John Gillies who you know is <laughs> John I, Gillies <laughs> I, I'm not convinced he actually exists so I haven't um, heard anything about him we're going to do something kind of weird here um, we are going to take a quick timeout because one of the hosts has to use the restroom so um, I will be right back and uh, um, Blues fan reacts anything you want to talk about the floor is yours for the next two minutes go Oh, uh, all right. Well, I was uh, sort of put on the spot. Thanks for that, Tom. Appreciate that. I was, holy crap. Okay. So, hello, people. Welcome to the Toast of St. Louis podcast. I'm your host, uh, Blues Fan Reacts for BFR's Corner. Uh, we're actually going to be, so we're, there's actually talks among this uh, among this group that I'll be getting, uh, getting a segment uh, about, you know, the, the best things and uh, the best news and the worst news uh, coming out of the Blues organization uh, for the next, uh, for, for, you know, it would be a weekly segment kind of thing. That would be fun. Um, let's see. What is there to talk about? I mean, we're kind of letting Tom carry with his, uh, he, we're, we're going to talk about uh, Tom's wonderful jersey collection in a second because he, I'm, when I say that he was literally a six-year-old going to the gas station for road snacks, that that was Tom at the equipment sale today. Like he he just he went absolutely. It wasn't today. It was the other day. Uh, he went absolutely ham on these freaking jerseys. And uh, I, I'm curious, actually, it, it, it brings up a good point. I, I would like you guys all in the chat to pronounce to to pronounce Buchnevich, like spell out how you would pronounce his name because I'm still not sold that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Russell Clark chiming in. Uh, let's talk about this crappy hat that you're wearing. I happen to think this hat is pretty cool. Uh, I'll have you know this this hat is this hat is very nice. I got it in a <laughs> I I got this hat in a gas station in the middle of nowhere, uh, Scipio, Utah. So uh, that, that's where this comes from. Uh, I, it is crappy. It was twenty bucks, but I mean it, it looks good on me. I I think. Yeah, it's fine. I, I think it looks Fine. good on me. Yeah, it's probably it's probably better than my hat. That was I mean, like, I, that was like a record breaking piss you had there, Tom. I'm, well, I'm kind of impressed. I, this is the I think this is a Blue Notes slash Toast of St. Louis first. I've never had to like bail out of a podcast to answer the call of nature like that. That's that's the first. But I was I was having ants in my pants since we started talking to Foley. So. Uh, <laughs> By the way, Tim says uh, my crappy Jake Allen jersey that time. Shots fired, Tom. Tim uh, (laughs) Tim just spoiled part of the next segment here, and that is uh, a uh, day of impulse buying at the Blues equipment sale. And uh, uh, if you wanted to travel back to the 2000s era of St. Louis Blues, 
and reconnect with some of the players that you had filed way back into your memory banks. Well, I've Matt had D'Agostini jumps out at me. Uh, D'Agostini was not available at the equipment sale, but uh, some interesting guys were. So let's go ahead and do it. Let's go to period number three. So as everyone knows, I love hockey jerseys and I've stayed away from like the team issued game worn jersey market because that can be very pricey. Well, I went to the Blues Equipment Sale Saturday because someone told me that they were selling uh, made in Canada uh, team issued and some game worn jerseys for $100, which if anyone has ever dipped their toes into the hockey jersey collecting market, um game warns you can't usually get any for under 300 yeah so, ridiculous so now now none none of the players i have here are superstars but you know each one of them i i i i smiled when i saw them just because i had some sort of memory of them from watching them in, at, at uh, scott trade center or you know whatever the hell it was called back then um these are all 2000s era players from the start of 2000 and to i think would have been like you know 2009 2010 mm-hmm. or so. you'll know the player whenever i when that that qualifies for that when that comes around but the first jersey i'm going to show you Ooh, here we go jersey number one one of the glorious seven goalies that played for the blues in this particular year this one played one game 22 <laughs> games in relief he allowed one goal and six shots ladies and gentlemen Chris, it's Pavel Buchnevich. It is not Buchnevich. No, it is not. Um, maybe if you get drunk and say it fast enough, it could sound a little bit like Buchnevich. But yes, Chris Beckford Sue, um, number forty-five. This one was—I uh, uh, don't think it was ever game worn, which would be amazing because he only played in one game for the Blues. But uh, I just like every time I think of Chris Beckford Sue, it takes me back to that really awful year. When the blues had just injury after injury, after so you injury. had to like bring the pain to yes, your house. Exactly. Got it. I mean, look, who else in St. Louis can say they have a uh, St. Louis Blues Chris Beckford Sue jersey? I mean, nobody. But, if it was no. only one game, yeah. As Derek points out, he averages six hundred to a thousand. Oh, jeez. But that's for like core players. See, Bob. See, and, I could be spending so much more on jerseys. So, yeah, that, that, but that's for core players, as he says, and not for players like Chris Beckford, Sue, and not for players like Vladimir Chebaturkin. I um, don't even know who that is. You may not. I think you were born the year that he played for the Blues because uh, this one is, um, let's see here. It's got, oh. it's got a set tag here, and it was from the uh, 2000 and 2001 season of the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. Uh, he... Uh, I always, I always liked his name. That's literally why I got this jersey is because I always liked Cheba Turkin. That just feels just like your, feels like your prototype Russian defender type of a name. So mm-hmm. um, Vladimir Cheba Turkin in the fold. Now here's one that's interesting. And, and and for those that weren't watching hockey at this time, they'll recognize the player. They won't recognize that he played for the Blues. That's because he never technically did. Dwayne Rollison. The, yeah, the, the same Dwayne Rollison, the, he was a starter for many years for the Edmonton Oilers in the 2000s. 
Um, he don't even know who that is. Why yeah, not? yeah, my, it was a little before your time. Uh, I know. I'm a, I'm a young. I'm a young boy. I'm a little boy. I'm a little you're, kid. You're a youngin, but this this jersey was also from the 2000 2001. Uh-huh. It was part of that set. Right on. Uh, Rollison was. Um, he played for Wooster, um, the AHL team that year, mm-hmm. and he, uh, to my knowledge, he never got called up to the St. Louis blues that year, but I think they just made these just in case he mm-hmm. ever did. And then he went on to Edmonton and then he became an all-star goalie for Edmonton. So of course, of course, of course, but, but the blues couldn't give him a chance because of reasons. I don't know why. So, Darn. Um, but yeah, but as Derek points out, why, why am I getting all these jerseys of players of irrelevancy? The quality of made in Canada jerseys is definitely a tier above the commercially available authentics. It, it's hard to explain, but the fabric, on these jerseys here, much thicker, much heavier, just much more quality. And then, of course, the stitching is all done professionally. So that's the, that's the difference. Um, and, of course, you can't sell these jerseys because a lot of these jerseys that I got here, they have, like, snags and uh, puck marks on them and, and, and things that wouldn't make them. Like, you know, if you were, you know, some you know, couple in Ladue, let's just say, you know, and, and you're, you wouldn't buy a jersey that has, you know, jersey pools and uh scuff marks on them from of course action that's a used jersey but for nerds like me i mean you know i just had to indulge jersey number four uh one of the most unappreciated blues defenders of all time as we learned in blue notes uh, last year sasha havanoff uh havanoff it's pronounced havanoff okay yeah sasha havanoff not kahanov like like i pronounce it kavanoff uh, Kavanaugh, yeah, no, it, it, it's Sasha Havanov. Okay, yeah, I okay, I know that one. This is from the 2001-2002 season, mm-hmm. and if you take a, a closer look here, let me get one here for you. This one has, like, an obvious scuff mark. Uh, this one, uh, let's see, there are some other ones on here as well, but um, it probably would be hard to see on the screen. I remember him because he was Mark Bergevin's defensive partner. That's right. That's right, he was back in the day. Um, but that Havanov is also obviously game used. So mm-hmm. it, you know, I didn't say which game, but it was obviously saw some yes. action. Probably the most modern jersey of all the ones that I got here. And you'll and this one is a guy that you That's might That's a recent one. You should re- remember Wade Redden. Wade Redden, yep. Uh the Ottawa Senators legend that never was. <laughs> this legend that never was. No, because he uh, got the yips, basically, and he he just had a really bad year. But this one, uh, um, this one is—I I don't think this one saw any game action. It doesn't have any marks on it or anything like that. But on the inside, it has that this was uh, team issued. I don't know if you can see that very mm-hmm. well, but yeah, it's, it's stitched by Lieb. And then yeah, this was from uh, 2013. This was an official game jersey for Wade Redden, but. I don't see any marks on it, so I don't think he actually ever wore it. But, yeah, Wade Redden's just an interesting story in of himself in the hockey community. Um, This one is not game-issued or team-issued or anything like that, but uh, this is... Uh, They're almost giving away these jerseys. Who's that? Who's that? Alex Petrangelo. Who? Who? 
I don't know him. It's a, it's a fanatics, and they were selling these for fifty bucks. So it's like, oh, gotcha. So yeah, you had to bite, of course. Like, well, this maroon jersey, this is fifty bucks too. So yeah, I got this one had a good one. This was after he was, uh, he was uh, signed with the Lightning, obviously. But I mean, hey, yeah. it's it's pet maroon. <laughs> and as as Gabe Foley points out, Wade Redden is a legend. Yes. You mean? Um, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll go. With Blues that. legend, not Ottawa Senators legend, of course. Goodness, no. All right, this here's they. They only they only had mostly 2000s era players. They only had a handful of pre 2000s players, and this is uh-huh. one of them. Uh, Blues fans from the 90s will remember this guy because he was a former first round pick, Justin Papano. Familiar with the name, but Justin, not a, I don't have a face. Well, his claim to fame, he was the main asset that went to the Islanders for Chris Osgood. Okay, so he was he was the main piece there. What's cool about this jersey, it looks a little different than the others. If he's, you can see like the athletic holes in it. Yeah. This was actually a starter jersey. The Blues, okay. the Blues had starter as a uh, um, their jersey maker for a little while in the 90s. So the fabric's like a lot more uh, kind of like that old school, like 80s, 90s kind of athletic feel. With it's the, lighter. With it's it's lighter. It's like it's like a practice football jersey kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it's it's just a different material. And finally, the one you the the, the probably the creme de la creme out of this whole thing. It's a player that people actually know. It is Jake Allen. Aha! There we go. Dang it. Well, this jersey is not green with me. There we go. That's Jake a Reebok. Allen. There we go. And it's a Reebok. But here's what here's what threw people off, I think, at the sale. Because I because a couple people commented on this. It's a number 50. But I know what you're thinking. Jake Allen didn't wear 50. But at the Traverse City Prospect Camp, and basically before he made the pros, he was number 50. And this was from the pre-pro era of Jake Allen. So I have a 34 Allen Jersey. Uh, that's at home. I, I, gosh, maybe I should bring that over here. Maybe I should yeah. take that uh, back here. Who knows? Tim wants me to burn this Jersey with fire. No, never burn an Allen Jersey. Tim, Allen Tim, is a legend in St. Louis and Tim, we respect Allen. Tim hates the ground that Jake Allen walks on. So that's, that's wow. a certified hey, Allen hater. Yeah, uh, King yeah. Angus. By the way, if you want, if you want this jersey, let's let, you know. You know, let's, let's talk. talk, dude. He, uh, homie, he could use that as a tent. He, he could because Angus is tiny. <laughs> he's tiny, and this is a goalie style size fifty eight. So uh, it's basically <laughs> right at about a three x. Oh yeah, he's using that and, as a tent for sure. Goalie style, so it's like really boxy. So, but yeah, they they had. From what I could tell, they had just one more Allen left among their entire supply of team-issued game-worn jerseys. And it's like, you know what? It's Jake Allen. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. So, uh, yeah, that's my I, – I paid way too much for those. I realized that. But you know what? I was in a car accident recently, and that basically financed all this. So Got it. Nice. Thank you, car accident. Uh, yeah, okay, they, so Tim they, says he's a legendary choke artist. Yeah, probably true. Probably. So I kind of want to know what you think of Ville Uso then. <laughs> yeah, Tim. What, how about that Ville Uso? How about that Ville Uso guy? Yeah. Because if you said that you like him, then I'm going to call bullshit. 
Yeah, <laughs> if you would say you'd rather have Billy Huso over Jake Allen, Tim, uh, we can no longer be friends. <laughs> and we've been friends since, you know, he's been my friend since we were next door neighbors in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that. That's how far we go back. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I went to him to come out and say he'd rather have Huso <laughs> over Jake Allen. And Russell Clark, I know, is right there to, to tell him, shut your mouth. So, and, and you know, you don't cross Russell, Har- Russell Clark. No, no. <laughs> he's not a man to be messed with. Oh, boy. So we're starting an American versus Canadian war. And now we're starting a Huso versus Allen war. Got it. There oh, we yeah. Are. The, the great Huso Allen war of 2021. Let's go. We need to yes. talk about something else besides COVID. So um, Derek says they aren't that bad. Both of them have. Oh, there we go. Lose. And Tim says there he we go. Huso uh, over Jake Allen. I, 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 I can't. I can't. I can't right now. <laughs> Tim, what are you doing? I just can't. Dude. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Yes, Allen is so bad that the Montreal Canadiens protected him. That's how bad and he exposed is. Carey and exposed Gary Price. And exposed Gary Price. Their franchise. <laughs> By the way, did you notice that Gary uh, uh, Price had knee surgery and he should be ready to go for the next season? All of a sudden, he's better. <laughs> All of a Remember? sudden. Remember when they were saying, "Oh, well, oh, he, they were calling him a cripple." Yeah. And they said, "Oh, oh yeah. his career will never be the same." And then Seattle passes on him because they're scared shitless. And they're like, "Okay, slight correction." Absolutely, in, just instant buyer's remorse. That felt like because I, I don't <laughs> think they. I seriously, it sounds like that no one in the organi- organization knew that he grew up in the region and is considered a legend in that region. I mean, it just completely. Not very of- many people know that Carey Price played his junior league. He didn't. He wasn't born there, but not very many people know that uh, Carey Price uh, played his most of his junior career uh, in Tri Cities, which is about a hundred and fifty miles east. But right, but in that, I, I think Washington is one of those states where that's still considered kind of close enough, I guess. Because like, as like- a guy who lived in Washington, everything is around the sound, and then everything beyond that is okay. just, we pretend I, doesn't exist. I forgot about that. So explain what I just said because I've never been up that. No, way. you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it's and- split in two. It's Seattle and Spokane, and then Vancouver to the south, and then those yeah. are your three regions. Yeah. Uh, by the way, as Tim points out, Montreal also drafted a criminal, so can't use their judgments. <sighs> not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. Sorry, sorry, Angus. But yeah, yeah. Bergeron's- oh no, Angus is pissed at him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bergeron's got some explaining to do. That's for that's. Oh that's- my goodness. And not not just in a very quickly put well, that doesn't just release. that doesn't just like confuse me because he because of that it confused me because. In no world is Logan Malu a first round pick. No. In even, no world. He's even, third at best. Yeah. Even even if he's not, you well, know, the fact that he wanted to make a statement by drafting it in the first round means that A, this is like totally intentional. And yeah. B, like, this is what are you doing? They're trying to right or wrong, but no, that that's not how PR and social media work, Montreal. Not I can't that, believe that I is, rooted for them. That is a total lack of self-awareness. Which can't believe I rooted for them. Same. I, I, I honestly, I, my, I felt really bad about that. Like I just bought a shirt from Habs Nightly. Now I don't know what to do with it. I'm sad. I'm sad. Alrighty. Well, anything else from you, BFR? 
Except for ibuprofen for your back. Shame, Montreal. Shame. Shame. Yeah, they, unfortunately, Montreal, they were in my top five after the playoffs in terms of teams that I like. They've fallen a little bit. Let's just They're at 31 now. No, well, nah. Chicago's at 32. Nah, they're not that low, but... No, they, they're low for me now. They got some explaining to do, Lucy. That's for sure. That's for sure. All righty. Well, we'll be back uh, sometime in the future. Not exactly sure when, but it'll be after the... Uh, probably the next big St. Louis Blues move in free agency is, is my guess. Uh, we need to mm-hmm. uh, kind of figure out our schedules and when we can come on for that. But we will be watching alongside you uh, between now and all day Wednesday when everyone, including you and me and Gabe Foley and, and even my friend Tim, will be hitting F5 on their keyboards every single second looking for the updates. When's Landis Scott going to be a blue? I'm going to wear out my F5 button probably. So um, we'll see how that goes on Wednesday. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank you for listening and watching. I'm Tom Franklin. This is Blues Fan Reacts. And remember, always Play to the whistle. For new episodes, merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, be sure to visit ToastedSTL.com or follow us on Twitter at Toasted St. Louis. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Let's get toasted! By the way, breaking news, Tim Goodman has quit his job so he can. Oh, shame. That is how serious free agency is, guys.